Book Four, Chapter Two of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Case. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Orksey. Book Four, The Old Scarecrow. Chapter Two. It was half an hour before noon, and Citizen Deputy Hero was preparing to go out to the small tavern round the corner, where he habitually took his déjeuner. Citizen Rondeau, who for the consideration of ten sous a day looked after Hero's paltry creature comforts, was busy tidying up the squalid apartment which the latter occupied on the top floor of a lodging-house in the Rue Cocatrice. This apartment consisted of three rooms leading out of one another. Firstly, there was a dark and narrow antechamber, wherein slept the aforesaid citizen-servant. Then came a sitting-room, sparsely furnished with a few chairs, a center table, and an iron stove. And finally, there was the bedroom, wherein the most conspicuous object was a large oak chest, clamped with wide iron hinges, and a massive writing-desk. The bed and a very primitive washstand were in an alcove at the farther end of the room, and partially hidden by a tapestry curtain. At exactly half-past seven that morning, there came a peremptory knock at the door of the antechamber, and as Rondo was busy in the bedroom, Hero went himself to see who his unexpected visitor might be. On the landing outside stood an extraordinary-looking individual, more like a tall and animated scarecrow than a man, who in a tremulous voice asked if he might speak with the citizen Hero. "'That is my name,' said the deputy gruffly. "'What do you want?' He would have liked to slam the door in the old scarecrow's face, but the latter, with the boldness which sometimes besets the timid, had already stepped into the antechamber and was now quietly sauntering through to the next room into the one beyond. Hero, being a representative of the people and a social democrat of the most advanced type, was supposed to be accessible to everyone who desired speech with him. Though muttering sundry curses, he thought it best not to go against his usual practice, and after a moment's hesitation he followed his unwelcome visitor. The latter was in the sitting-room by this time. He had drawn a chair close to the table, and sat down with the air of one who has a perfect right to be where he is. As soon as Hero entered, he said placidly, "'I would desire to speak alone with the citizen deputy.' And Hero, after another slight hesitation, ordered Rondo to close the bedroom door. "'Keep your ears open in case I call,' he added significantly. "'You are cautious, citizen,' merely remarked the visitor with a smile. To this Hero vouchsafed no reply. He, too, drew a chair forward and sat opposite his visitor. Then he asked abruptly, "'Your name and quality?' "'My name is Lapine, at your service,' said the old man." and by profession I write letters at the rate of five sous or so, according to length, for those who are not able to do it for themselves. "'Your business with me?' queried Hero curtly. "'To offer you two thousand francs for the letters which you stole from Deputy Fabrice when you were his valet,' replied Lapine with perfect calm. In a moment Hero was on his feet, jumping as if he had been stung. His pale, short-sighted eyes narrowed till they were mere slits, 
and through them he darted a quick, suspicious glance at the extraordinary out-at-elbows figure before him. Then he threw back his head and laughed till the tears streamed down his cheeks and his sides began to ache. "'This is a farce, I presume, citizen,' he said when he had recovered something of his composure. "'No farce, citizen,' replied Lepine calmly. "'The money is at your disposal whenever you care to bring the letters to my pitch at the angle of the Rue de Fine and the Quai de Augustine, where I carry on my business.' "'Whose money is it? Agnes de Lucine?' Or did that fool Fabrice send you? No one sent me, citizen. The money is mine. A few savings I possess. I honor citizen Fabrice. I would wish to do him service by purchasing certain letters from you. Then, as Haro, moody and sullen, remained silent and began pacing up and down the long bare floor of the room, Lapine added persuasively, Well, what do you say? Two thousand francs for a packet of letters. Not a bad bargain, these hard times. Get out of this room, was Heroe's fierce and sudden reply. You refuse? Get out of this room. As you please, said Lapine as he, too, rose from his chair. But before I go, citizen Heroe, he added, speaking very quietly, let me tell you one thing. Mademoiselle Agnes de Lucine would far sooner cut off her right hand than let yours touch it even for one instant. Neither she nor Deputy Fabrice would ever purchase their lives at such a price. "'And who are you, you mangy old scarecrow?' retorted Hero, who was getting beside himself with rage. "'That you should assert these things. What are these people to you, or you to them, that you should interfere in their affairs?' "'Your question is beside the point, citizen,' said Lapine blandly. "'I am here to propose a bargain. Had you not better agree to it?' Never, reiterated Hero emphatically. Two thousand francs, reiterated the old man imperturbably. Not if you offered me two hundred thousand, retorted the other fiercely. Go and tell that to those who sent you. Tell them that I, Hero, would look upon a fortune as mere dross against the delight of seeing that man Fabrice, whom I hate beyond everything in earth or hell. Mount up the steps to the guillotine. Tell them that I know that Agnes de Lucine loathes me, that I know that she loves him. I know that I cannot win her save by threatening him. But you are wrong, citizen Lapine, he continued, speaking more and more calmly, as his passions of hatred and of love seemed more and more to hold him in their grip. You are wrong if you think that she will not strike a bargain with me in order to save the life of Fabrice, whom she loves. Agnes de Lucine will be my wife within the month, or Alnode Fabrice's head will fall under the guillotine, and you, my interfering friend, may go to the devil, if you please. That would be but a tame proceeding, citizen, after my visit to you, said the old man, with unruffled sang-froid. But let me, in my turn, assure you this, citizen Hero, he added, that Mademoiselle de Lucine will never be your wife, that Arnold Fabrice will not end his valuable life under the guillotine, and that you will never be allowed to use against him the cowardly and stolen weapon which you possess. Hero laughed, a low, cynical laugh, and shrugged his thin shoulders. And who will prevent me, I pray you? he asked sarcastically. The old man made no immediate reply, but he came just a step or two closer to the citizen deputy and, suddenly drawing himself up to his full height, 
he looked for one brief moment down upon the mean and sordid figure of the ex-valet. To Harrow it seemed as if the whole man had become transfigured. The shabby old scarecrow looked all of a sudden like a brilliant and powerful personality. From his eyes there flashed down a look of supreme contempt and of supreme pride, and Harrow, unable to understand this metamorphosis, which was more apparent to his inner consciousness than to his outward sight, felt his knees shake under him, and all the blood rush back to his heart in an agony of superstitious terror. From somewhere they came to his ear the sound of two words, I will, in reply to his own defiant query. Surely those words uttered by a man conscious of power and of strength could never have been spoken by the dilapidated old scarecrow who earned a precarious living by writing letters for ignorant folk. But before he could recover some semblance of presence of mind, Citizen Lapine had gone, and only a loud and merry laugh seemed to echo through the squalid room. Harrow shook off the remnant of his own senseless terror. He tore open the door of the bedroom and shouted to Rondo, who truly was thinking that the citizen deputy had gone mad. After him! After him! Quick! Curse you! he cried. After whom? gasped the man. The man who was here just now, an aristo. I saw no one, but the public letter writer, old Lapine. I know him well. Curse you for a fool, shouted Hero savagely. The man who was here was that cursed Englishman, the one whom they call the Scarlet Pimpernel. Run after him. Stop him, I say. Too late, citizen, said the other placidly. Whoever was here before is certainly halfway down the street by now. End of chapter 2